This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you are listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today we have Mike Hicks on from BZ, and we're going to be talking about collaboration, especially employee collaboration in a post-COVID world. So we're going to imagine a world where COVID is not dominating everything in our lives, and we're going to talk a little bit about collaboration. But before we kind of jump into the topic, um, Mike, if you would uh, do us a favor, do the audience a favor, and both introduce yourself and introduce BZ. Yeah, for sure. And, and thanks for having me on the show again. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Uh, the last one that we had, I think it was several months ago, um, was great. So ready to dive in on this. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll start by giving a quick overview of BZ. BZ is an intelligent digital workplace built from Microsoft 365. So, you know, what does that mean? Well, you can think of BZ as an advanced modern intranet. We make the SharePoint experience better and more usable. And we pulled together all of these pieces of the Microsoft 365 portfolio to improve how organizations communicate, collaborate, share knowledge, simplify processes and workflows, and really drive that employee engagement experience. And, you know, you can kind of say, okay, well, great, an intranet, I have an intranet, it sucks, nobody uses it. Well, you know, BZ is that beautiful UI designed for engagement and really creates that destination for employees to come together and they love to use it. And it's powered by a backend that takes all the complexity out of Microsoft 365. So it just focuses on the user and what they're trying to get accomplished. And, um, you know, the, the philosophy behind our product design, you know, really works. We serve some of the largest, most complex organizations in the world, including Hilti, Glencore, Finning, and even some of the top global banks. So, um, that's a bit about BZ and, and ready to dive into the conversation. So with Microsoft, are we, are we also thinking about all the different products, Office 360, uh, Dynamics and, and, you know, Yammer, Skype, Teams, like all of their product suite? Yeah. And actually, so really good question. And so I know we're talking about um, collaboration in a post-COVID world, or I guess you can even think of it as, you know, a living with COVID world. Um, and your audience is interested in things like employee engagement and recruiting retention and, you know, empowering employees to do their best work. So maybe, you know, as part of the answer to that question, if you don't mind, I'll just take a quick minute to set the scene because I think it's a really interesting topic and so much has happened in the past few years. And I think what's happening is people that were in roles that maybe never found themselves being responsible or being consulted when it comes to technology decisions for the organization are now finding themselves in that spot. So um, maybe if it's okay, I can just, I can take you on a, a two yeah. minute detour here. Love that. Love that. Awesome. So I think, you know, leading up to the pandemic, um, there were some important trends that largely went unnoticed, but they set the stage for this technology dynamic that we're seeing to get today. And the first one coming back to your question is, Office 365, uh, we can now consider the broader Microsoft 365 um, offering 
which includes all the Office components, their Azure Cloud experience, and um, some of those additional services that now become available. For, but for the sake of familiarity, we can call it Office 365 because that's what we all know. And Microsoft has done a big push to migrate their customers to the cloud. And there's a ton of benefits that came along with this, like real-time file collaboration, simplified sharing, anywhere access to all of your information on any device, easier to roll out features and functionality. And for Microsoft, when they made this change, they moved to a subscription license model. So instead of the old one-time perpetual license, there's this huge incentive now for them to continue to invest and de develop the capabilities uh, and leverage new opportunities for AI and some of the other stuff that we're seeing. So as the world slowly moves to the office cloud, we also had the Slack and the team org heat up, right? You had different philosophy, philosophies around um, how those products came into the organization. Slack was more organic through the dev and engineering side and, and teams came through the IT centralized deployment side. But what's happened is in the background, some of these other office products became more important and SharePoint is actually one of those ones that became more important in the Teams ecosystem. Um, and a perfect example of this is if you share a file in Teams, you're actually using SharePoint in the background, although you don't use it. And then you say, okay, well, why is that important? Like, we don't like SharePoint. SharePoint has a poor user experience. And in the past, that was always the biggest driver to um, a lot of these standalone internet products because organizations said, well, I need an intranet right. and I don't like SharePoint, so I'm going to need something else. But now with Microsoft making these investments and SharePoint becomes more central to the Microsoft portfolio, and we're all hooked on this idea of Teams, like Teams adoption has just exploded in the last right. year. Right. Um, you start to ask yourself the question of, okay, well, I'm going to standardize on Microsoft and I need a, you know, a digital workplace to bring all to this together, but um, is Microsoft good enough? Right. And that's when you say, yes, Microsoft from the standpoint of centralize my, you know, personal productivity portfolio and, and access all these other things, but I still need this digital workplace to bring it all together and create that fully branded destination experience for our employees. So this is where you have this, this big shift. And when this happens, it changes the collaboration dynamic inside of an organization because it eliminates many of the issues of the old way of working, which was adding additional disparate tools upon tools, uh, which just created data silos and it made it difficult to find information. But now uh, what happened is organizations are just in the process of figuring out how do I consolidate? How do I simplify? Because employee experience has become so important and that's been tied back to productivity. So that in a quick kind of roundabout way is this history in the last three years, say that all kind of came to a head during the pandemic as to what we're seeing now. Yeah. It, what the wonderful part is the pandemic sped all this stuff up. Like we were going to get there Microsoft with the, the different products for sure. They were going to get there. It might've taken a little bit longer, but like teams today versus maybe teams uh, in, in uh, December of 19, they, they were light years apart from one another. And exactly, uh, exactly. And you're right. Like this whole, the remote work and um, it forced us into 
struggling our way through it instead of what you're seeing now is this more planned change management because we have the time now. That's right. So let's talk, let's talk collaboration. So we used to be in an office. We'd sit next to each other. We'd go into a conference room and we'd collaborate. There's a wipe off board. (laughs) Yeah. Somebody might have a laptop. We might might be taking notes. Oh, we just kind of stood in front of each other and talked and brainstormed and, you know, wrote things down and we went off made project plans and went and did our bit. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Well, uh, March of third, March 13th of uh, 2020. Well, all that's gone. I can't do that anymore. How do we, how did we get into collaboration and in, in the pandemic? So what happened that just kind of threw us? And then, because what we really want to talk about is, okay, after all of this stuff, when we go back to some type of hybrid model, what do we need to be thinking about collaboration in the future? How do we need to be rethinking collaboration? Yeah, it's a good question. And you're right. Like that hybrid um, model is the thing that is on most people's mind because we're a year into this now and we've seen several, you know, mid to large size organizations announce that they're going to enable remote work uh, flexibility and even uh, allow permanent remote work for some employees. And in the small organizations, it's even more than that. Right. So uh, it brings the, the large change management and cultural shifts in how we work and, the big questions that uh, we're asking, you're right, because we can no longer huddle up the same way that we used to. Um, you know, organizations now are looking at supporting collaboration, but also right at the beginning, how do we welcome and onboard new employees? How do we celebrate, you know, our successes and milestones or even celebrate life events like birthdays? It's it's one of those parts where you say, okay, well, it's not connected to collaboration, but it's part of the employee experience. So it's an important question that needs to get answered. And then you start looking at some of the more productivity focused types of views around how do we work across additional time zones? Because this is happening more and more now, right? As right. people leave the city and, um, you know, how do we bring together different cultures? Uh, because again, now you're in this mindset of hire the best not hire the closest geographically to you. Um, And then, you know, other questions around, um, you know, kickoff meetings for projects and checkpoints. But, you know, while we have all these new questions, we still have all these old questions on how do I find information uh, and people with expertise in order to do my job or solve a problem? What tool do I use to communicate project updates or share important news? Um, How do we ensure that, employees are engaged and happy. And, you know, the one thing that every organization saw is when this all hit, access to the internet skyrocketed. And that's exactly the right behavior because in times of uncertainty, you know, you want people to look for a place to get information and a source of truth. But unfortunately, as so many people realized, organizations hadn't invested the time or the resources into maintaining that internet experience. So the whole thing was a mess. Um, and you know, all those questions are posed around how do you, you know, do certain things around welcome employees or celebrate or do any things like that. Um, all of that stuff now, what we're seeing is it's becoming more and more centralized in the digital workplace as people integrate with the appropriate tools and systems. They're trying to get away from this hopping mentality of mm-hmm. I go there to do that. And I go there to do that. It's right. We want you to say, no, you come here and you can facilitate all of those different things directly from here. 
So I hate the phrase best practices. I, I, I loathe the, the concept of best practices uh, only from the standpoint of it's best practices for that particular company at that moment in the context of what that team was doing, blah, 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 blah. So it's, you know, generic uh, best practices are generic and thus not really actionable. Specific best practices are just that they're contextualized. So without going too far down that rabbit hole, mm-hmm. I know people are going to wonder how do they know that they're doing it right? Or how do they know that they're achieving when they're doing collaboration the right way? One of the first things to do is, is ask, right? And I think you're seeing organizations have taken, call them pulse surveys or point in time measurements, right? To create that benchmark. And many organizations did that early on, like a year ago, they would have done that. So now they can measure improvement in sentiment, in feelings of productivity, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And based on that, they're able to prioritize the types of fixes that they want to do. And I think the organizations that are doing it the best are the ones that are looking at this from the employee experience angle. And they're including things like productivity, happiness, um, you know, engagement and watching for things like um, employee turnover as part of, they've created this big umbrella around it. Um, the other thing that they're looking at, you know, you talk about best practices is trying to get the conversations in a place that everyone can see them. It's this concept of working out loud and, you know, in the old days you had a whiteboard, even if you're sitting in a cubicle, right? Most people had some sort of whiteboard and people walking by could see, oh, I, you know, so is prioritize this work or whatever. We have to find a way to bring that experience into this new, um, you know, geographically dispersed digital world. And the other thing I think we'll see too is more regional personalization. Um, And, you know, by that, it's this idea of, all information isn't appropriate for all people at the same time. And you can, you know, structure and tier the communications so that it's immediate and important versus, you know, maybe it comes as a daily um, summary at the end of the day or at the end of the week, just so people are in the loop. And the idea too, that I think is really, really interesting, especially when you think about this working out loud concept is in our personal social media lives, we're so used to just scrolling, right? Right, right. We scroll fast past some things and we scroll slow past other things and we dive in deeper and you'll see that make its way more into our professional world as the next evolution, I think, of the engaged enterprise. So this might be controversial. I hope that it's not, but I love that you started with ask and which is essentially the underpinnings of consent. You just asked like, Hey, what, you know, what do you think? Give me feedback. You know, let's figure out this together. So as, as the world focuses more, thank God on diversity inclusion and, uh, and diversity inclusion, belonging, equity, and equality more specifically, how does that in, in your mind, how does our focus of all of those things on the front end, bringing in more diversity, more inclusive, how does that impact collaboration? 
how do you see that uh, again, making us better collaborators, making <laughs> maybe stressing our organizations in different ways that we haven't thought of? Like, what's the impact of doing great DNI on on what we have conceptualized as a future of collaboration? Yeah, I, I think it comes back down to the transparency and the culture within the organization, because um, you know if you think of that concept of working out loud and we are open to ideas and everybody has a voice and everybody, um, you know, feels valid, then you really can embrace, um, you know, all of the different ideas and perspectives that, that people have. And the good thing for, you know, the organizations that we're working with, a lot of them are already massively geographically dispersed anyways. Right. right. So they've had, time zone challenges for since their inception, they've had, um, you know, language barriers to get over and, and things like that. So um, they're well on their way towards working this way. I think the challenge is going to be for a lot of these smaller organizations that um, take up this idea of hire the best, not just hire the people that are closest to us. Um, but it really starts with enforcing a transparent culture um, clear understanding of mission, vision, and the objectives. And as well for managers, then it's the idea of managing performance based on the output, not based on the time spent. And I think that's another big thing that, especially the younger managers are gonna have to work through and learn through during this shift is when everyone was in the office, you kind of felt good because you could see your team and they seemed like they were busy. So that must be good when you can't see them right now, what do you do? Um, and how do you ensure that the output is the thing that you're measuring and not just looking for this green, you know, dot that says the person is available and <laughs> hoping that they're working. So I think that's another big, big shift too, but for me, um, I really, really love this concept of so the working out loud mentality. And I think for some of the older generations, that's probably going to be a difficult shift for them to go through because we're not used to that, right? We're used to our value to the organization is the knowledge that we possess and we, sh and we choose when we share it versus someone saying the value to the organization is my willingness to collaborate openly on ideas and, and share my opinions. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you now to kill off based on what you just said, to kill off a couple of, of bad practices or poor practices that we've gotten ourselves into through the, you know, the last few generations or last 20 or 30 years in, as it relates to collaboration and just kill them off like what are what are three things that you would just say okay going forward post covid no more of dot 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 what are those things for you the first one that comes to mind is no more files stored on your computer hard drive and no more files attached to an email those things are the biggest productivity sucks because they create you know conflicts and versioning they right. restrict the ability for people to come together i think that to me is probably the biggest thing um you know some of the other ones as i look at it is uh very clear instructions 
for when we use different communication tools. So when do we use email versus when do we use Slack or Teams versus when do we post something to say a blog on our internet or a digital workplace? That too becomes uh, a big issue because of the data silos and the inconsistencies. And then also um, the idea of my priority is your priority. And I think in this notification culture that we got in, we haven't set the clear boundaries around um, or, or provided people the freedom to turn off those notifications. Uh, so that I think is another one that we got into an issue, especially in the early days of instant messaging. And then when these multi-channel chat tools came up, the notification was the priority, but that's not necessarily the case. I love that. Now, second question, I'm going to hand you a magic wand. I'm going to take it back, by the way, but I'm going to hand you a magic wand. And if you could change anything about the way that we do would do collaboration, and it can't be the files, it can't be the reverse of what you just said, what would it be? Hmm. So you can change anything about collaboration that you want to, and just magically it's done the next day. What would you change? Yeah, I mean, that is a very difficult question to answer. <laughs> I think the um, one thing that I would love to introduce is, you know, jump ahead to how bots and AI will really transform how we work. So I think that is the one thing that I would love to improve because I think it's such an unmet opportunity for organizations. Um, this idea of just telling, just like you do with Alexa mm -hmm. or Siri, getting those capabilities inside your personal work life, that will be the killer experience and remove so much frustration. I love that. I love that. It's, it's augmentation, right? So we can only get better to such a level, but if we can then bring in the robots to then kind of either take some of the lower, lower, maybe low value things away from us uh, and help us and assist us, you know, be, be peripheral and then assist us in ways that we foreseen or unforeseen, they can help us in ways. I love that. That's a great wand. I'm taking it back now, by the way. So <laughs> yeah, it, it, It's true. And, and, you know, when you think about, we're still in the early days of what this AI experience oh, yeah. oh, means, yeah. right? Like, but today, even today, um, you know, you take the, the BZ bot, for example, you just tell it you want a vacation and it just says, okay, you mean these days, these days? Yep. Okay. And then it goes and, you know, secures the approval and, and does all this other stuff or also just learns an answer. Um, if somebody asks a question and then that question gets marked as, yes, this is the correct answer. The next time somebody comes back and asks a similar question, it now knows the answer. And for you and I, you might be thinking, okay, like, is that really a big deal? Think about in a, a company of 100,000 employees. That is a big deal, right? right. The amount right. of time wasted and lost. So I love where we're going with some of this stuff. It's really interesting. I love it. Okay, so last, I got one last question. Uh, do you believe we should assess for collaboration or a, a, I guess before I even ask that, is there, is there a way to assess for collaboration for folks that when they're coming into this organization, do you think we could or should assess 
and then I want to get into the training and development part of, of collaboration as well. So on the front end, should we, if there is an assessment out there, behavioral or personality or otherwise, do you think we should assess for those that are better at collaboration than not? I think so. And I think it's even something that in college and university, we should be um, ingraining the right practices because, you know, to your question is, if we don't do that sort of workflow assessment and fit, we're setting ourselves up for failure if that person is a mismatch. Right. And right. now that, you know, we're primarily remote and the onboarding experience is different and your manager interaction experience is different. Um, if the new person coming in either has the wrong expectations or is just wired in such a way that it's going to cause continual friction right. with the culture and how you work and, and how you expect things to be done, then it's just a bad fit. Yeah. Okay. So let's do the flip side of that. How do we train, you know, again, we take somebody in raw, they either understand collaboration or don't, doesn't matter. We now want to teach them our way of collaboration. Again, I really liked your idea of, okay, this is an email. This is a Slack, you know, or this is a team's message. This is something, you know, this is, you know, this is a text. This is how you, you would kind of diagram those things. How do we train people to be better collaborators post COVID? <laughs> you're you're asking the the million dollar question, I know, right? I know, it's right? like saying, do I need to you... give you the wand back again? Do you, do <laughs> yeah. you, do you need the wand? <laughs> how do you train a sales rep to document everything in Salesforce.com? Like, well, you put a gun to their head. I, I know <laughs> the. I actually do yeah. know the answer to that. You put a gun, literally put a gun to their head, and they'll put everything in Salesforce. Withhold the commission, but yeah, yeah. it, it, it kind of comes down to exactly that scenario of <laughs> governance and enforcement, or yeah. the practice will never change. Especially yeah. if you're talking about thousands and thousands of people working together. Like even something as simple as just if you're posting a file, follow the naming convention because the search experience is that much better. Like if you don't establish these rules and if they're not enforced by all layers of the organization, it'll never change. Yeah, I I was going to add to that. It starts at the top. If you if your C suite, your board, your C suite, your your high level managers, if they're great at collaboration and kind of set the stage, then, then most people will fall in line. Exactly. And then the, the output is these moments of delight and happiness, right? which, you know, that's what's going to drive productivity and that's, what's going to drive engagement and excitement. All right. On our way out, the uh, last thing, just anything else that we should, if, if, if we didn't cover it already about employee collaboration in a post COVID world, anything that we'd like to talk about? I think the biggest thing is, you know, every organization has an intranet. Start your thinking there around what do we want this to be versus what is it today? Right. And look for those, those glowing examples and you can really build some powerful things around that. I love it, brother. It, it flew by. I knew it would. It always does. Thank you so much for your time and your brains and uh i just appreciate it and uh also thanks to the recruiting daily audience for listening to another podcast mike we'll check you on the uh on the next topic thank you so much Great. brother. thank you you've been listening to the recruiting live podcast by recruiting daily 
Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruitingdaily.com.